For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 235 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And the luck of the Star Wars news strikes just hours before we'd record tonight. So, thank heavens. Thank the maker. That's from, you know, those movies we like so much. Oh, thank the maker. So I got a little... bath is going to feel so good. We got a possible Star Wars director... Uh, for a future Star Wars project being bandied about this afternoon. Old Taika. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, we've got uh, some bullshit Mandalorian Season 2 stuff that was floating around this week. Some bullshit to just get my hopes up. And we've got something else to talk about that I'm sure will pop into my head. But anyways, uh, if you... Uh, enjoy our podcast you want to like us on facebook do so at facebook.com slash blue harvest podcast follow us on twitter twitch and instagram at blue harvest pod we have a youtube channel now sort of messing around with the youtube a little bit um so we don't have like a specific channel url yet but if you go if you search for blue harvest a star wars podcast our channel will pop up. There's only two videos up there. There's the audio from our last episode. Just in case you're the type that likes to listen to podcasts on YouTube. I don't know. It was a service that Podbean uh, offered, so I decided to take uh, advantage of it. And then you have uh, a little bit of a unboxing in review of the limited run games Bounty Hunter Collector's Edition that I got in the mail last week. Oh, wow. So check those out if you're interested. Like I said... I'll, I'll leave a link to the channel as it is now in the notes, and you can also just search for Blue Harvest Star Wars Podcast. So if that's something you're interested in uh, and you want to see us do more YouTube stuff, go over, subscribe, click the notification. I don't know, man. Just go check it out and let me know if you want to see more. We have It's a the YouTubes. We yeah. might could do some stuff there. Yeah, you know, maybe do some stuff there that isn't a fucking dickless angry man yelling in his car 
Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, we have a Patreon. If you want to support our podcast for as little as $3 a month, check it out at patreon.com slash blueharvestpodcast. We have a ton of bonus shows. Uh, most recently, we posted the newest episode of Star Wars Year by Podcast with me and Steel going through the Star Wars Year by Year book, and we're on uh, 1978. That's a pretty good one, I think. Uh, we also have Blue Harvest Adventures, which the group got together this week and recorded a new episode of. I mean, we had a couple in the bank already, but, you know, trying to stay ahead of things. We also have Cooking with Will, Oh No, It's Hall Solo, Jaws, Steve versus the prequels, Masters of Terra, Harvest Kasi with King Tom, Podula Rasa with Emily Lind, and a lot more, and more to come. So like I said, check it out, patreon.com slash blueharvestpodcast. I think that's the business. <coughs> um, all right, so we knew, or we, we were sort of told, I guess, by Hollywood Reporter, that sometime this month we would hear about who the next Star Wars director would be. And we'd just been kind of sitting tight and wondering. I kind of wondered if it would be after Star Wars crossed a billion, after the Rise of Skywalker crossed a billion at the box office, if they right. would wait for that to happen. Sort of but it cap- came and went. Right. Yeah. It, it happened yesterday, yesterday or Tuesday. It crossed a billion. Um, but yeah, I just kind of wondered if they would piggy off, piggyback off that news and be like, and the next Star Wars movie is going to be directed by this person. But that didn't really happen. And even with the news today, I'm pretty sure we're not talking about the next Star Wars director. Uh, this was this would most likely be for the movie that's coming in 2024 or even 2026, depending on how long this takes to get off the ground. But according to Hollywood Reporter, uh, Taika Watiti has been approached about doing a Star Wars movie. I think the the wording there is very important to keep in mind. This is not saying he's been signed to do a Star Wars movie. This doesn't mean that they're even having serious talks and negotiations about it. Or that he even has a Star Wars movie he wants to do. Right. More like he's being asked if he might might maybe want to do that one day yeah yeah and i'm all for it of course i love i love that man's directing ability i really want to see jojo rabbit i haven't seen it yet that's his newest movie yeah Uh, but i want to see that uh i love thor ragnarok it's one of my favorite marvel movies yes his episode of the mandalorian was phenomenal can't wait to see what he does with Thor Love and Thunder, which is the reason I say um, he's not going to be in line for the 2022 movie because that movie comes out in November of 2021. Cutting it way too close, you know, to be doing a Star Wars movie to come out the following December, you know, with pre-production, scripting, and all that sort of thing. There's no way that he is the next one. But... If this turns out and he and he uh, does a Star Wars movie, I think that can only be positive. I think so. Um, and it also makes a lot of sense, I think, because of Kevin Feige. You know the mu- rumors of or the story that came out a few months ago that 
Kevin Feige was working with Lucasfilm to develop a Star Wars project. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you you pair Kevin Feige, who has worked with Taika, who brought him back for another Thor movie, and the fact that Taika's already worked within the Lucasfilm system as it is, like with his episode of The Mandalorian and vice, voicing IG-11, makes a ton of sense. Right. Um, it is kind of funny, though. Because I want to say it was last year or the year before. Maybe it was 2017. Mm, Yeah, I think it was 2017. Um, I believe it was right after Phil Lord and Christopher Miller got fired off a solo. Right? Somebody asked Taika Waititi on Twitter hey, would you ever direct a Star Wars movie? And his response was, no, I like keeping my job. (laughs) Or I like finishing my job or something to that effect, you know? So I just think that's a funny turnaround, especially if he does end up directing a Star Wars movie. Like, you know. Well, you would think Lord and Miller are his closest, uh, you know, approximations, right? With the ad-libbing and the humor. You would, but you also... You also have Taika working on one, soon to be two, big budget, effects driven, comic book style movies, you know? Right. And you also have him already having worked with Lucasfilm on The Mandalorian and seeing that he didn't he didn't amp up the humor in Mandalorian to the effect he did with Thor. He worked within the universe and within the tone. It was very funny. Like, the funny parts were very funny, but it was all sort of in line with the tone of the show so far, I felt. Right. So, I think uh, I think that sort of is what set, sets him more apart from those two guys. Yeah. Um, and if, uh, if the rumors about the High Republic era are true and how... You know, it looks like maybe the movies going forward will all sort of tie into that era as a central playground for live-action Star Wars movies. Uh, If he's part of that, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I also saw a story where Star Wars might kick off this new High Republic era with the video game. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really know the source of that story. It's so fucking difficult because you have so many rumors out there now well it's not just that you have so many unreputable sites out there that will traffic in clickbaity hot garbage mm -hmm, and will run with anything just to get the clicks get the adsense money you know um so it's hard to say it's it's not necessarily a rumor i've seen a lot in any way that i feel comfortable in being like, yeah, I believe that. Although yeah. I would say if they're planning on doing this big all encompassing project luminous thing that I guess the movies are going to tie into or be part of or whatever, uh, some sort of video game tie in would make a lot of sense. It would certainly give the ground base that plays video games a window into the world to be excited about. Does that make sense? Yeah. And honestly, it's the same. It feels like it may be, like I said, you know, it's all rumors and there's no official confirmations on the High Republic stuff as of yet. But 
it sounds like that's what they're do, trying to do across all the different Star Wars mediums, not just video games, but the books, the comics, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it seems like using all the tools in your bag to lay the groundwork for this era and tell us different stories and establish this time period before we see the first movie. It sounds like a really cool idea. I mean, I think it should be easier for them. You know, I, I just don't. Yeah, okay. So you had to write in the force awakens, you know, the First Order and the Resistance are both basically stealth organizations. They're in hiding. You can't really see them interact with the rest of the galaxy. Like, they're so focused on each other and so focused on being secret. Like, you don't really see that. But in a in a world where the political environment... I know this sounds super heady. But um, where the political environment is different, that leaves you a lot of options. Like, Jedi can be out in the open... There are all different kinds of people that can interact with people cross planet wise. <clears throat> Excuse me. Much like the Clone Wars, you know, in multi worlds and multi different kinds of, I don't know, races and, and cultures that you can't really do in the movies. One, because you don't have time and that's not the focus. But, you know, you're not, I don't know, you just seem kind of constrained after the Empire takes over. Does that make sense? The good guys are always on the run. Yeah. And, and I totally get that, and I do think... I don't know that it, they necessarily have it easier. Because when you really think about it, like, if they're going into the High Republic era, save for a very small number of characters that would be alive 400 years before The Phantom Menace, you're taking all of your established characters off the table. You well, got, you're Yoda. right. There's nothing to connect it. But that's what I meant by easy, like... There's no framework you have to work in. Right. You can pick a point and start and go. Exactly. Like, it's it's very unexplored, right? So that in that regard I can say that it's easier, but you also have to think like 400 years for before the Phantom Menace, like you have to establish a visual style for that era that sets it apart from right. The prequels, the sequels, the original trilogy sets it apart from all that but also feels like Star Wars feels familiar in some way. Uh, I think that's the trickiest part. Like imagining like if, if you know, if I had to do it, that part would seem really tricky. And also I think one of the tricks and, and I think it was, we talked about it back in the day before the force awakens came out. It really comes down to creating characters that the audiences like right that the audiences right. connect with i always felt the biggest hurdle of the sequel trilogy was coming up with characters that we liked as much as the returning original trilogy cast because from the beginning it was pitched as the passing of the torch story the next generation right. taking up the flag of defeating evil and you know fighting against the dark side so and I, and I feel that that is the most successful aspect of the sequel trilogy. I love the characters. Poe, Finn, Rose, Ray. I like them all. There's not a sequel trilogy character that I'm a, even a little meh about, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, as far as, like, the main players go, right? Like, I even like fucking Snap Wexley. Um, 
so that's going to be another big challenge, right? You got to come up with completely new characters once again. And, but this time there can't be any, Oh, the bad guy is Han Solo's kid or (laughs) the hero of the story. There can be, but those reveals can be tied in in ways where they pay off. You know what I mean? They can be super large twists because you have no idea what to expect going into it. Right, but it can't be with established characters that we know. No, no, no. You don't have, and let's be honest, all of the original, of all of the Disney movies thus far, the five that we've gotten have had some sort of connection to a original trilogy character. You right. know, like The Force Awakens is damn near a Han Solo movie with, you know, some young kids that he's showing the ropes. Yeah. Um, Luke in The the Last Jedi, Lando, Leia, and a little bit of Ghost Luke in um, uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Leia through the whole trilogy, you know, for the most part, despite, you know, them having to work around her unfortunate passing. And then Rogue One, like, they threw Darth Vader in the teasers from the get-go. You know, they they used Darth Vader to sell that movie to an extent. There's no doubt right. about it. And then, I mean, a solo prequel story, of course. That's that's on. So this is the point where they got to cut those ties. With the exception of, like I said, Yoda. He'll be around. Maz Kanata, if they wanted to use her, she'll be around. Um and I'm sure there's some other characters. I'm... I wonder if they mention the prophecy. Right? Or that... if the prophecy comes into being then, you know? Mm-hmm. Or if it's older than that. Yeah, I don't My... I don't really you know, know, but that would be cool, right? You're going to, I mean, I say you're going to have to be creative with villains, but Star Wars has never been short on villains. Like, it's, all, it's easy to create a villain. Yeah. But and... uh, you will have to establish whatever the two current Sith villains are. Like, you don't have to establish it, but, you know, I just there can only be two. Right. You know. But see, then, all right, so there can only be two, quote unquote, Sith, right? Who, like you said, unless the the Jedi that discover them don't make it out alive, cannot interact with any Jedi during this era. Because as far as the Jedi know, they're extinct. They haven't been seen in a millennia by the time of the Phantom Menace. So, but also think back. Do you remember when we were, probably even before this, the podcast was started, we were like, oh, I wonder how they're going to bring the Sith back in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Like, it was just assumed that the Sith, and then when the sequel trilogy came about, we got a bad guy in Kylo who was a Sith in everything but name. He Sith like question a, mark? Are they Sith? Right. And and it was established that they weren't. Right. And the Sith don't come into play until the third movie when Palpatine's back. So um, what I'm saying is there's there's ways around, uh, you know, how convincing these ways are to you just, I think, varies person to person. But there's ways around having bad guys with red lightsabers in the movies and not making them Sith, you know? I mean, for all that we know, you know, there can be multiple Sith cells in a galaxy that believe they're the only two, you know, like, yeah, they, I perhaps mean, they, they haven't come into contact with each other yet. And then they're, they, interestingly enough, they decide that they're the two that need to stay. So off with the other two. 
Yeah, but I mean, then that also still brings up the issue. And, and, you know, I guess at the end of the day, they could just ignore this. But the the fact that they state that the Sith haven't been seen for a millennia. So that, to me, means no Sith. Not just these two. You know what I mean? So yeah. To me, that just means Sith sightings that hadn't made it back to the Jedi. Right. Where, like, and that could if, happen. If they, we can see them. But everybody they encounter has to die. You exactly. know, they gotta be like Vikings. Like. And then how how do you continue on and make this like a, a sort of like long ongoing story if you just constantly have to kill off the Jedi that come across these Sith? You know? Like yeah. so you know, it, I think it is it's an interesting uh place for them to be in, and I'll I'm definitely interested to see how they pull it off, but I, I'm not too hung up on the fact that technically there can't be Sith there because the conflict between the light and dark side will be in these movies. I mean, no they're going to have to bring that up at some point because this whole di- idea of balance and the Sith being a perversion of the Force is like, well, you got to show me what the other, what the rest is. What's the non-perversion of the Force? Because I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what... Somebody who's full on dark side and not a Sith looks like, and maybe there's some of that in Rebels. Like I don't know if the Death of Miria witches are Sith or just dark side. No, I mean they're definitely not Sith, but they're dark side pr- practitioners for sure. They're aligned with the dark side. You could even say a character like Asajj Ventress or Maul post Phantom Menace because he drops the name Darth. He just goes by Maul. Uh, Savage Oppress. Ooh, what a name. Um, you could say he's I mean, part of that. So we've seen examples. And like I said, Kylo, Snoke, I guess. Um, I, I think the idea of a dark Jedi Order is kind of interesting. Um, right. Where it's not necessarily murderously evil, but they're definitely not good. Like, right. where, you, you know, kind of b- bad with a set of honor or something honor amongst thieves. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, there's so many interesting ways they can go. And I think that's the most exciting prospect of a trilogy separated so far from the Skywalker saga, right? Is the opportunities for storytelling that it opens up to them and that the amount of freedom it does give them. Um, I just think that could lead to some really cool stuff. And I'm really excited to see some new Star Wars designs. Like, see, you know, seeing stuff that is new to me, that is as cool to me as an X-Wing or as, you know, something like that. And Coruscant, like, what's it look like at this time? You imagine not a ton different from The Phantom Menace, but still. I, I think it just, you know... I think it's a, a wise move, and I think it's uh, sort of a no-brainer. If you're not going to immediately roll into trying to do an episode 10, 11, 12, then you got to separate by a pretty big gap yeah. in the timeline um, just to open up those fresh opportunities and not have any of the, the even the fandom baggage that comes with you know, dealing with prequel characters, original trilogy characters, and at some point it's going to be the same thing with sequel trilogy characters. 
whenever those characters do get picked back up, we're going to be in this same boat where people are not stoked with however... Someone in the fandom is going to be pissed about where who about how whose character went in what direction. Yeah, I mean, and that's just just how it's going to be. You know, I think you know, best case scenario, you have a very small amount of that going on, but it's going to happen regardless. Um, I kind of hit a pothole and forgot what I was going to say leading into that. Something about new characters versus yeah, I don't know. You don't, you're not carrying the fan baggage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and honestly, I kind of wonder if that's why uh, they have yet to explore the Old Republic era. Because there is a strong affection yeah, for that era, era. And there's a strong fan base from that era. because of And they're the, going to be highly critical if you deviate like, from the game mythology at all which uh, honestly as much as i love with love those games i don't Should want be to be completely scrapped yep i do not want an adaptation of the games or the novels if you want to treat revan the character of revan and the character of bastila like you did i say you as in like uh you know figuratively like lucasfilm if you want to treat that character like you did thrawn where you bring a beloved character back in to the canon and reconfigure it to fit within the current canon and change it around where it's, you know, it's based off the same character, but it's also different. I'm all for that, but I don't want an adaptation of the video, the video games into a movie. I've already been told that story. Yeah. And the thing is, if you, if you do, if you don't, if you do the Knights of the Old Republic and you don't do the story um, that the video game set up, that's fine. If you want to do some, like you said, if you want to do some freshened version of that, use a couple of those characters. All you need is Malak, Revan, and Basila Shan. Like the rest of those characters, you know, could be anybody else. Honestly, like yeah, the the murder droid is cool, but I mean, it's you know, the HK forty seven is very cool. You can only get away with so much of that in a PG thirteen movie, you well, know. Like, and all, well, I mean, I don't know that he goes too far past PG thirteen in the game, but it's also something we've seen a ton of in new Star Wars canon already. That's true. Like, and and I almost feel like HK was the genesis of that type of droid in Star Wars storytelling. Maybe there was something before it, but to me, that was the first time I encountered a droid like that. But since then, you know, we've gotten Mr. Bones in the Aftermath novels. We've gotten K2SO. We've gotten L3. We've gotten Triple Zero from the comics. Like, we've got a lot of that type of droid um, in Star Wars, in, in new Star Wars. And, you know, do we really need another one? I really like that character, so it's hard to say, but I don't know. Um I also think it would be cool to bring the the Jedi exile from Knights of the Old Republic 2 into it as well. But that, I feel like, is a character who could be changed and reformed even more than Revan, Bastila, or Malak, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I just feel like, <clears throat> as cool as that character was and the character's backstory was, that's for people to know, that's the character you play as in Knights of the Old Republic 2 it never seemed to latch on or get as much focus 
or uh, praise as Revan, you know? Right. So, um, but yeah. <clears throat> so you want to talk about some silliness that was going around? Yeah. Uh, you asked me about this before we started. I did recording. before we started because I, I didn't know how much hot air it was. Turns out it's all hot air. Yeah, it appears to be all hot air. So, this image, these, well, it's actually two images, started floating around online this week that was supposed to be uh, the cast of Mandalorian Season 2. And I saw, I wouldn't say a lot of people, but I saw people seeing it and getting excited and adding some of these actors on Twitter and being like, is this true? Um, and it's not. It's not true. Like, it reads like fan casting. It's almost as bad as the photoshopped posters for Episode 7 before Episode 7 even had a cast or a title, you know? Yeah. So, I'll go through it so far. Uh, Pedro Pascal is Din Jaren the Mandalorian. Okay. Given. Carl Weathers is Grief Karga. Gina Carana is Cara Dune. Bill Burr is Mayfield. So, those top four, it's a given. Yeah, that's happening. You know, our buddy Steele told us about Bill Burr on the show just a couple weeks ago. Then now we get into clear fan casting. Chloe Bennett, who played Daisy on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, Dr. Afra. What? Yeah. Clancy Brown as Blurg. Like, okay, yeah, maybe Clancy Brown will be back playing that character. Don Donahue as Shriv Sergov. Shriv is the character from Battlefront 2. He's the... Yeah. The rebel commander. Yeah, and he's awesome. That character's awesome. Yeah, it would he be is. sweet to see him. But we're getting into fan casting here. Uh, yeah. D, D. Bradley Baker as Bosk. Oh, my goodness. Emily Swallow as the armorer. Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma. Once again, would it be cool to see her come back and play Mon Mothma? After uh, Ro she was in Rogue One. Yeah. But Giancarlo Esposito, uh, Moff Gideon. Janina Gavankar, Aiden Versio from Battlefront 2. So as you can see, there's some nice little like, ooh, breaking news. Like if this was real, this would be everywhere. This would be the biggest Star Wars news, you know, since The Mandalorian Season 1. Right. And also, it wouldn't be hosted on websites that when you click on them, a pop-up window with a fucking Wheel of Fortune wheel starts spinning and tells you to click to win a free iPhone. Click here to win a free Apple computer. Yeah. All right. Next uh, page, we have Jim Cummings as Hondo Anaka. John Favreau. Jim Cummings? Yeah. Like the voice guy? Yeah, that's who does the voice of Hondo. That's what I, I yeah. mean... Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, he's a legend. John Favreau as Paz Vizla. Julia Jones as Omera. That was the widow character from episode three of The Mandalorian. Katie Sackhoff as Bo Katan. Kevin McKidd as Finn Rao. Finn Rao was a Mandalorian from Rebels. Uh, Lars Mickelson as TBA. Ooh, mysterious. Ming Na Wen as Fennec Shand. Natalie Tenya as Zian. Um,. Regina King as Ray Sloan. Once again, fan casting. People have been tweeting and talking about 
Regina King playing Ray Sloan forever. Ray Sloan's a super popular character from the books. Uh, Robin... Uh, Robin Downs is Cham Sindula. That's Hera's dad. Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano. Oh my goodness. Simon Pegg as Dengar. Oh my goodness. Here's my favorite. You ready? Yeah. Tamora Morrison as TBA. Oh my goodness. Oh really? TBA? TBA? (laughs) This badass... Boba you revealed Fett. Ahsoka and you're going to TBA tomorrow Morrison As Boba Fett? Yeah. Yeah. Get, get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Tia Sakar is Sabrine, Sabine Rim. Yeah, right. Uh, TJ R- Ramini as Del Mico from Battlefront. And Vanessa Marshall as Harrison Dula. Guys, yes. It would be neat to see a, some, if not a lot, of those characters in Battlefront that 2. That would all be delightful. It would. But it sounds fantastic. It's fake. It's 100% fake. And like I said, I'm not seeing a lot of people, at least that I follow, being like, oh, shit, this is real. This is awesome. But just in case you were wondering. It's ridiculous. I mean, it is. Strikes high on the bullshit meter Oh, does it. Oh, does it but i have to admit the casting of rosario dawson as ahsoka tano in my brain sounds pretty good sounds sounds like it would be good i just don't really know i've said it a million times on here it's a matter of time before we see ahsoka in live action and you want to talk about something that's going to be initially a shit show is when they decide to do Ahsoka in live action, whoever they announce to play it or whoever, you know, whoever they announce to play it or whoever, um, gets the role or however they approach it is going to have, it's going to be a shit show. You're going to have a ton of people that are soaked and you're going to have a ton of people that are mad. Um, it's it's just one of those things that's bound to happen. If I've learned anything on my four years of Star Wars fandom social media, almost five at this point, uh, it's going to happen. So Star Wars is so unique. There's so much potential for such strong hate. I don't know that it is. I think that... I don't know if it's Jar Jar Binks syndrome. Uh... You know, but like... It's really unfair. I don't, you know, honestly, I think maybe we think that because we're so involved in Star Wars and it's like our favorite thing to be observant of, you know, but I. And now that it's come back, it's like every other day, somebody's not happy about some part of it. Yeah. I'm like, guys, can we be happy for this? Like it wasn't ever going to happen at one point. I, I totally get that. But I also think you get the same level of vitriol in Marvel fandom and Star Trek fandom. I know for a fact you do with both of those in Doctor yeah. Who fandom. That's uh, right. You know, these super big fandoms. When you have super big fandoms, they're like a giant net that don't just just because Star Wars is a story and and all these other franchises are stories about hope and good overcoming evil 
doesn't mean when you throw out the fandom men, uh, the fandom, I almost said the fandom menace. I wish we could fucking mm. throw them out. Um, mm. When you throw out the net that catches the people in fandom, you're going to get some evil in it. You're going to get some yeah. assholes pulled in. Uh, and when you have mega franchises like your, your Marvel and your Star Wars, like just statistically, you're going to have more assholes. Yeah. Um, and then the assholes speak the loudest and the most vile and the most hateful. So they get the most attention because they're being the biggest assholes. Because like the that. internet is an echo chamber. And the loudest, most violent, hateful, most hateful thing echoes the loudest in yeah. the echo chamber. It's like when you're, um, when you're boiling bones, Will, and you got to skim off the scum off the top of the water. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yep, yep, yep. Little cooking thing there. <laughs> so, I think that's pretty much our um, our topics for the week. Um, a little light news, a little good news. Yeah, you know, Taika Waititi. If that happens, that's going to be fucking rad. Uh, and everything else, you know, we just got to. We're, we're in the season of wait and see. We're not far from. Uh, Okay. No, thank you. No, thank you, Siri. I don't know mm. why the fuck you did that. <laughs> did this help your query? Did this answer your question? Hold on. Uh, Siri, can... Uh, I'm not sure I understand. Shit. She doesn't understand much. Siri, can I pass a fart back and forth? I keep... Dropping the button. Okay. Fuck. I never use Siri. Oh. Siri. Can I pass a fart back and forth through someone else's butthole? I found an article that might help. That's not nice. <laughs> oh. Have you asked her this before? No. Oh, she got you good. She said that's not nice. She did. Siri. You're supposed to be helpful. She's trying to make you have good manners. Is it scientifically possible to pass a fart out of my butthole into someone else's butthole? I found this on the web. She's not going to be able to say it. <laughs> oh, my God. Urban Dictionary has an entry it's called a refart is that what she sent you to yes while back to back one person farts into another person's butthole then the second person farts out that fart creating a refart potentially dangerous if a refart is continuously refarted causing an infinite refart dude this is one of those things where you're asking if it can be done, not if it should be done. Right. You're asking if science can do this, not if we should. I feel fucking defeated. I feel like the dude who had a prototype light bulb sitting on his desk that he was going to go with public with in like a week. And then he went to get his fucking newspaper and the headline was, Thomas Edison invite, invents light bulb. 
<laughs> like the shaking weight, man. I had that idea like 15 years ago, man. It's some I should have capitalized on it. Oh man. Anyways, why don't we do some voicemails and emails? The only Jedi master who can crash box Kitty Cockhead Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead He's a big Surian stud He loves to split chicks with his pud Kitty Cockhead So stroke his cone and suck on his balls Kitty Cockhead What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi council stooge but he'll be plumping spooch tomorrow! Cockhead! Luhurt! Cockhead! Hansberger! Cockhead! Will Witten! Cockhead! Goose Paint! Cockhead! G-Money! Cockhead! King Tom! Cockhead! Joe! Cockhead! Key&D! Cockhead! Cockhead! All right, first up, we have got a message from the king of all times, our buddy Tom Chansky. King Tom Chansky. Team Kong Tom Chansky. Hey there, Haas and Will. You know me. I like to know everything I can about Star Wars. I like to delve deep into the making of stuff, find out the behind-the-scenes nonsense. I love making of books, art of books, alternate histories, of, you know, different drafts. So you can imagine I spent quite a lot of time this past week reading and watching things about the uh, alleged, but I I think it's safe to say, the the Colin Trevorrow scripts. Uh, I watched the the two videos by Robert Meyer Burnett and then that other random Hollywood dude who say that they read the first draft of Trevorrow's, and then, of course, I read jason's piece where he read the last draft of trevorrow's and i'm you know i think it's it's something worth talking about you know the road not traveled i think there are a few interesting ideas in there but the story definitely is not better i think the thing is mostly it feels like some fan fiction that i could have come up with At, at least that's what it feels like to me and it you know makes the it makes it about the power of the force and this and that not about the people the other thing about the drafts and i think this is something that we fans tend to put on star wars is a lot of it is about luke and leia and luke and leia guiding ray and kylo slash ben and yeah we we get that in some of jj's stuff but it, it really shines through in, in Trevorrow's treatments. And and this really gets me thinking about, about the role of the original three, Han, Luke, and Leia. And I love them. You know, they, they were Star Wars for, for generations of people, and they still are. But I think Disney should be commended in the fact that they tried to make a new trilogy. And, and for the most part, they did centered around a new cast. It was really tough to let go of those three and they should have used them to 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 make a bridge but then there has to be a point when you say let the new three or the the new cast let the story be about them and the galaxy they're making and i think that 
Ryan and JJ have done a great job of that. I don't know that I would have felt that in Trevorrow's story. But the thing is, you know, I know we're not going to get more of Adam Driver, Daisley John, or um, Oscar Meyer in Star <laughs> Wars, at least for the time being, because it's something they've been doing very intensely for the past five or six years. So we're not going to be getting those stories on film or on Disney+. Plus. What kind of stories, though, do you want to see, suppose, in comic book or in book form, um, involving, you know, the new generation? I would love to see a comic about Rey training Finn in the ways of the Jedi and searching for Jedi in the galaxy. Or maybe a book series about how, you know, Poe is trying to find people who still want to lead. Maybe, you know, Ransom Castorfo as the next Chancellor. I don't know, just stupid ideas like that. But I want to know what you guys think. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you later. Did you did you hear that? Well, it started off being something we didn't talk about, and then it kind of merged into something we did talk about. Talk about, yeah. So I I didn't bring this up because I don't know, man. It, it's been kind. I know of, why you didn't bring it up. Bring what up? The uh, the the scripts, right? Well, yeah. Why didn't I bring them up? Well, because it's just. You know, there's no reason to discuss what could have been. You know, these are movies that didn't get made, and, you know, they would have gone through a different rewriting process. What you're reading is not what the final movie would have been. Definitely. You know, these are, like, script treatments. Like, you're you're reading where the movie would have started before there was, a you know, final editing and rewriting and all kind of shit. Right, and on the other hand, though, I definitely identify with King Tom where... It's interesting to see. It's just it's, like it's, when, it, yeah. when I was, you know, first on the internet and I found early drafts of the original trilogy movies. It was so interesting to read those and and see, especially with the first movie, George's evolution to the final product that we got and some of the massive changes it went through. Right. Um, I do like the idea of the Luca and Leia training. Now I get. Why you can't do that? Because the more they're in the movie, the more it has to be about them, the more the movie does. But, you know, that's just – the movie subverted expectation. You know, everyone expected Han Solo to be doing well. Well, he wasn't. You know, his family was in pieces and he's pretty much smuggling shit again. But and you, you to know, me – and this is a matter of personal preference. That's a more interesting story. It is. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, then Han Subverting the expectation up. makes a better story than – you know, Luke is the Grandmaster Jedi, and so Leia is as well. You know, that's just kind of what, what people expected. But, so the Trevor, the other thing with the Trevorrow thing is, I don't like the dude very much. Yeah. Just on like a personal, I don't know him, so I can't say on a personal level. I'm just not a fan. I was in no way upset when he was let go from Star Wars. Um, I'll say this. It's really Book of Henry that put the nail in the coffin. In a... To be completely honest, having read, you know, the stuff that came out this week about the two different versions, it seems dull. Like the story, granted, just like Will said, which I think is something to definitely keep in mind, in no way are we working with the final script or even what the final version of the movie would have been. But in the current, the state they were in, I can see why they passed on them. I can right. see why they weren't interested. There are things, however, in there that I think I could see little pieces in there where I'm like, oh, I that I prefer. 
for one, my biggest complaint with episode nine is the lack of Rose. Rose has a much more involved uh, position in the story in Colin yeah. Trevorrow's scripts. I like that. I wish they it's had continued on with that. Really unfortunate, the lack of Rose in episode nine. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know that I can say much more about it. It's just super unfortunate. Um, and another thing that's interesting is you can see some of the elements that were brought over from his scripts that made it into JJ's version of episode nine. And you can see uh, at least a little bit why uh, he, uh, Colin Trevorrow got a story credit in the, at the end of the day with episode nine, things like Han Solo coming and talking to Kylo that happens in the Colin Trevorrow uh, script. In one version, Lando shows up with a fleet to save the day that happens. And there's a couple other things. Um, and, and, you know, from sort of like a historic perspective and like a, a star Wars history perspective, it's neat to see these and see like what could have been. I was just glad parallel that, universes. Yeah. I was just glad at the end of the day that I saw those and wasn't like, Oh, I want that movie instead personally. Yeah. That was, uh, that would be heartbreaking that. And, and I've seen people say that. And, you know, I, I'm not here to judge or to say anybody's doing something for any particular reason, but I imagine a lot of it has to be, you know, if you really dislike episode nine, pretty much anything is going to sound better, you know? Right. right. Um, and that's fine. That's totally fine. I'm not saying you can't dislike episode nine. I'm just saying what I saw and what I read didn't sound that interesting to me. I was talking to somebody on the phone about it. And I said, it read to me like one of the bad Star Trek movies. Like, okay, um, First Contact. Good Star Trek movie, right? Yes. They follow that up with Insurrection. Bad Star Trek movie. Feels two-hour like, episode. Yeah, feels like, a, and not just any episode, a boring episode. It feels like a yeah. two-hour boring episode of Star Trek. Where they save the day by loading up some gas with a joystick. They fly on the Enterprise with a joystick by the end of the movie. That's kind of what this felt like to me. Um, but, you know. Now, as far as, I, as how I would like to, them to handle our sequel trilogy cast, I want, to, I want them to take their time and be very careful with it. So if they do ever plan on picking that story back up in the future, I want them to be very careful with how they handle the time period after episode nine. Because while it would be very cool to get a comic or a book or something that details Finn training with Rey and, and becoming a Jedi, would that be cooler? Or would it be cooler in several years to be in the theater, see in episode 10, and you're thinking, oh shit, Finn hasn't shown up yet. And what happens when he does show up? He whips out a lightsaber. And you know what I'm saying? Like, don't spoil things that could be cool reveals in future movies if you do plan on going that route eventually. Right, right. Um, and, It'd be and, cool if it was like Indiana Jones style. He got, he was, you know, got chased down, he got cornered, and then mm-hmm. pulls out the lightsaber to defend himself. Yeah. Um, now, as much as I like the concept 
of the sequel trilogy being about the previous generation of heroes passing the torch on to the new generation, I kind of feel like, in some ways, episode nine was the first... Well, I don't know about the first. It's the movie to me that focuses on the new cast the most. You know? Okay, because there's unworked out shit. Right? You didn't have Luke in the first movie at all. Right. Which I understand why. I understand how. But uh, that leaves a mountain of unresolved shit that you have to work out in the second movie. Right. And and and, and, it, it, and it did. You know, it resolved it well. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I, I like the sequel trilogy and I like how they handled that. But, you know, if the sequel trilogy had been done in, I don't know, the mid-90s, early mid-90s or something, then I wouldn't have wanted that story to happen yet. I would have wanted Luke, Han, and Leia because the actors would have been younger. You could have focused on them. But, you know. You could have got another trilogy of movies out. Right, right. So what I'm saying is if you don't wait, you know, 30 years or whatever to do a sequel to episode nine. I want to see the next trilogy be focused on these characters solely. Yes. And then if there's another trilogy after that, then you can make it about passing the torch. I want these characters, Finn, Poe, Ray, Rose, uh, conics, all the characters that are still around, like bring them in. And have them, because I think there is a really neat story um, to be told about you're the new generation of heroes and leaders. What do you do now? You don't have Leia anymore. You don't have Han Solo. You don't have Luke, you know? I, I think it's the, I think the format may change because I think we're done with trilogies, period. It, that could be the case. You know, that's that's definitely not something... That we know for a fact is going to continue on is trilogies. You're absolutely right. There may be single movie builds to two movie events. And honestly. Endgame and Infinity War. If they had turned episode 9 into a big two movie event. Made it episode 9 and 10. Split that. That would have been fine. It would have blown the brain out of the back of my skull. It would Because there's enough fucking story jammed in that two and a half hours. And you could have validated Palpatine's comeback mm-hmm. and brooded the thread of it. You could have milked Kylo's fall. Mm-hmm. You know, you, there's so, and his, uh, gradual redemption, you know, it, right. they, you could have just added so much to any one element of episode nine and gotten two movies out of it easily. Um, but once again, that's kind of like sitting down and looking at the, the Trevorrow stuff. So we're talking about things that didn't happen. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's neat again, to think hindsight about. is twenty twenty, right? Always. And and in that regard, as much as I love trilogies because of Star Wars, like I don't know that it was necessarily necessary to it's adhere to that. Not necessarily always the best way to tell a story, right? Because honestly, when you tell a trilogy, in most trilogies, I feel like the second movie is always the best. You know because just of the way it builds. You know, the resolution is never as satisfying as the the build to the climax or, you know, the twist. I the mean, that's definitely how it's turned out for me with the the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. The second ones are my favorite. Um, 
and it's hard for me to argue otherwise with that. So, the build to resolution is more satisfying than the resolution. All right, you. Uh, that's probably why I like Infinity War better than Endgame. That's that's what I'm talking about. Not that I dislike Endgame, but I just enjoy Infinity War. It's a better movie. Uh, all right, you want to hear from Jim? Yes. Let's hear what he has to say. How you doing, Hawes and Will? Uh, I had a question today about uh, missed opportunities um, in Rise of Skywalker, or the whole saga, if you want. But um, I heard a rumor six months ago, at least, that uh, the Sith Troopers were going to be, like, using repel wire out of the spaceships in space and, like, flying around on jetpacks and... I just had, uh, I held out high hopes. That's why I was thinking they were going to kick some ass. Uh, I was hoping they were just really didn't show them too much in the previews because uh, they just wanted to shock some people with some crazy stormtroopers in the movie. I, obviously, they didn't, but uh, that's what I was hoping for. But a missed opportunity that I saw was when Ray was uh, facing down the TIE fighter with um, Kylo in it. And then Finn sent out Chewbacca, uh, and then the Knights of Ren look at each other, and they're like, let's go get that tall, hairy son of a bitch. Uh, what if they showed a, a showdown between all the Knights of Ren, or at least a few of them, and Chewbacca? And maybe there was some melee shit, maybe uh, even he ripped one of their arms off. Uh, always a good thing, uh, but just at least... Uh, showed his chewy strength a little bit and then um you know then he got like shocked and then they put the binders on him or the handcuffs or whatever but um i just thought that'd be neat uh, i'm wondering if you guys think the same and if you've got uh, any ideas for missed opportunities yourselves but all right gentlemen you have a great day ignite the green Ooh, missed opportunities i have one that immediately pops into head, my head you What's know, that? at the end of Last Jedi, right before Luke disappears, he looks at Kylo and says, see you around, kid. Yeah. Why didn't we get a scene of Luke trying to talk to Kylo, haunting him? You know, like, we never saw that play out. He said in, like, the, there's the line in there where he's like, he, I'm not going to even try, you know, like, or something to that effect. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I don't I know, but it just seems like one of those lines that clearly sets off sets off a pay a payoff in the third movie, right? Like Luke yeah. giving it one last shot. Going and appearing to Kylo and Because his dad did. Right. Right. Twice, and, even after death. So I just think that could have been really cool. Uh I do like Jim's idea of seeing uh, chewy face off with the Knights of Ren. That could have been pretty sick. Um, yeah, that's what I was about to say. I love that idea of Chewy whipping ass. Mm -hmm. You know, I uh, I feel like I haven't seen Chewy really whip a whole lot of ass since Solo. You know, I feel like I saw him whip a lot of ass in Solo. Yeah, Chewy gets a little bit of ass whipping in this movie when they go to break him out. Of, yeah, that's true. And he, I love that scene where he, um. Poe and uh, Finn are running through the Star Destroyer just like blasting stormtroopers. Yep. And then when they get uh, 
captured, Chewie lets out that one tiny little sad Wookiee roar where he's like, like, and it's like low. It's not loud. I love that scene. <clears throat> um, you got any other, you got some missed opportunities, some things <laughs> you would have liked to see that, you know, they didn't, they didn't go with. I can't. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, being put on the spot, I, I can't, I'm sure I will down the road. I mean, obviously because of Carrie Fisher's untimely passing, the biggest missed opportunity was Leia's, you know, contribution to the final movie, but that yeah. can't be helped. Yeah, you can't really help that. You know, you got to imagine, right, that if Carrie Fisher was still alive, uh, the opportunity for a scene with her and Adam Driver together could have been really powerful, powerful yeah. dude. You know, like, I don't think it would have been anything like what we got. You know, I think they would have probably been in each other's presence and something would have happened. And Yeah. It could Harrison. Have been, Harrison Ford, you know, she would have been in that place instead of Harrison Ford. There's a very good chance, you know, and yeah, yeah. And and that's just, that's one that like, you know, you can't do anything about like, I guess they did the best they could, you know, like I do feel like a lot of the ways that she was stitched into the movie will feel slightly jarring and awkward. What I'm looking forward to is, say, 10 years from now or so, watching that movie with uh, my nephew, Jackson, when he doesn't know, you know, oh, she, Leia passed away between these movies. Will it seem weird to him? Or will it just seem, you know, he won't have that baggage. He won't be going into that movie thinking, oh, no, and she's gone. Yeah, how are they going to pull this off? That's going to be, you know, interesting to see. All right, so we got some emails. We got four of them, so we'll get through these and get caught up. <clears throat> First up, we got our buddy Willis. He says, Ahoy, hoy. And if the Mandalorian eventually finds Baby Yoda's people, what are you hoping for? I personally would like to get 15 minutes of them acting like Yoda when he first meets Luke, and then Mando walking away like, what the fuck? Moff Gideon could be there too, and he's just like, this is what I killed Space Werner Herzog over? Side note, there's some discussion as to whether Mando will be looking for Yodas or the Jedi. But what if there's a third option? Uh, what if the Yoda family they end up with, they end up finding are the Muppets? Now that's a crossover. They drop them off on the Muppet planets and like Gonzo and Miss Piggy are there. Those two old dudes. Mandalorian! <laughs> Animal? Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Who's your favorite Muppet, Will? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, I'm a Kermit the Frog kind of guy, but I like Fozzie, Bra Fozzie Bear. I like Fozzie. I like Rolf. Rolf is cool. He seems he's like a cool he, cat. He seems like he'd be like the one that, and maybe it's because he's a dog, but the one that's nice, like, I want to pet Rolf. I always have to bind his ears. The animal band was cool. Like, I, 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 who's the who's the doctor guy with the busted oh, up teeth? I like him too. I like, I like him. him. Uh, he's a newer Muppet, I think. The like the little crawfish fish or the prawn. Yeah, or, I know I like who you're him. talking about. He's usually with Rizzo, the rat. Um, I like Rizzo the rat. Uh, little Mupp Muppets tangent here. Fucking Professor Honeydew and Beaker. Yeah. Love them. 
Me, 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 me. The Swedish Chef. Swedish Chef is good. Oh, classic. Classic, classic. Muppets were good, dude. They were they were good. Mm-hmm. The Muppet Show is classic. I mean, that's what that dates me. The fact that, you know, when I was watching Nick at Night, it was Happy Days, The Muppet Show. Yeah. You know, The Wonder Years. When I first you know, started watching Nick at Night, it was shit like... Mary Tyler Moore Show. It was Beverly Hillbillies, Green Acres. Yeah. Um, it was all that stuff. And then they merged into... Like, they transitioned into doing stuff like The Muppet Show. I wish they would put the fucking Muppet Show up on Disney+, Plus because I would watch that. Does Disney own the Muppets? Yeah. Yeah. Disney owns the Muppets. Yeah. Heck yeah, they do. They own about 25% of your boy halls here last time I checked. <laughs> I would sell 25% of myself to Disney for robot pants. They could stamp. I mean, the whole the pants could say Disney. No. You could have a big could, Walt Disney D on my ass. They could tattoo or brand a giant, like, you know, the, the circle with the Mickey ears, like the Disney <laughs> symbol, right on my forehead. Or like the old school samurai... Uh, banners that are like on a pole from like your back or something. Yeah, <laughs> right out of the robot pants. Yeah, and I just gotta walk Disney around with banner. that shit every day, and they people yep. be like flapping in the wind. Look at that motherfucker right there. Damn, he sucked Walt Disney's frozen dick for those fucking robot pants. I'm like, I sure did. How's that? I'm fighting in the robot UFC tomorrow too. Do something. I made him say. Mate. I made him say mate. All right. Next up, we got Ian Gallagher. Hello and good afternoon, a Blue Harvest. My name is Ian Gallagher. I've been listening since October, and this is my first time emailing. I couldn't help but keep thinking about what you read regarding Project Luminous and the new Star Wars game will supposedly offer a unique Star Wars experience. Couldn't help but really think about what this could mean. I have two thoughts. I'd love to shoot by you and get your thoughts. First, maybe a real-time strategy game? I'm 25, so my experience with video games began with the Phantom Menace. Shout out to the Phantom Menace game and Jedi Power Battles. So amazing. To my knowledge, there hasn't been a real-time strategy game released. Second, would it be... While it wouldn't be unique, it certainly would be this would be since the Disney acquisition, but is it too much to hope for a new canon Star Wars RPG. Hope your year has been off to a great start, and may the Force be with you, Ian Gallagher. Thanks, buddy. Um, so Star Wars has done a couple of real-time strategy games. Uh, shit, what are they called? It's a real-time strategy like Halo Wars, Warcraft 3. Yes. Um, okay. Starcraft. So there's a a game called Star Wars Rebellion. I don't know that that's technically considered a real-time strategy game, but it's definitely sort of in that vein. And then there was... There's one you used to play on mobile. Yep, yeah. But there there was a couple of pieces. Okay, so Star Wars Empire at War is one of them. It was actually pretty well regarded at the time. It came out in like 2006... And then there was Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds, which came out in 2001. So there's been a couple. But as far as we know, when they say a unique Star Wars gaming experience, 
it could mean within what EA has released. And that opens up a ton of options, including real-time strategy, because they haven't done that with Star Wars. Um, a Star Wars RPG is what I want. Uh, yeah. I don't... It's one of those things, I think it's just a matter of time and being patient and waiting for them to finally get off their ass and do it. I can't imagine that it hasn't been talked about or pitched or even already in the works at this point. Like, it's it just makes too much sense. What I think is really interesting is in, in the, there are all these different avenues that we could have Star Wars games. Like, you can skin anything really in a Star Wars game. And I maybe I understand why they wouldn't want to go with that and saturate the market, but you would think. I mean, isn't that corporate mindset anyway? Like you could make a for honor Star Wars game, right? Where you're sword fighting directionally. You could make, you know, buddy. That's kind of the history of Star Wars games when you think about it. You know, like <laughs> Star Wars kind of takes a concept like even the original battlefront games were plays on the original battle field games i mean you're right you know? there was the first person shooter and, and then the tie fighters are like flight simulators basically yeah and, and uh masters of terras kasi is a, a, a take fighting on game 3d fighting games like there's so many avenues they could go i that they haven't tried yet is what i'm saying yeah I think you could make a really cool fighting game with Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, just why aren't people willing to go that route with it? It could be that the There's fighting a lot of game, effort and money that takes place. I mean, I get that. Yeah. I mean, AAA video game development is ridiculously expensive. So I understand that. And I also understand that the fighting game genre is fairly niche and when you're dealing with a gigantic license like star wars that ea is paying who knows how much to have the exclusive rights to you're probably gonna stick within genres that are more broad have, yeah have more broad mass appeal right uh, but to me rpgs have never been more widely accepted than they are now they're in a renaissance at the moment if, I, I, I totally agree. Even like, Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop RPG are currently experiencing a renaissance. Exactly. Like, you know, when, when I was a kid playing Final Fantasy games, you know, occasionally you would find other people that played them. But even, and, and I realized that this would change from person to person, but even when Final Fantasy VII came out and it was like a huge deal, it was on every, you know, magazine, it's, uh, sold huge, sold tons of PlayStations for Sony. It was I knew maybe two other people that played Final Fantasy VII in my sphere of influence. So, but nowadays, like think of how many people have played The Witcher Three, a smash yeah. hit. Uh, the Elder Scrolls games. Uh, you know, even the more RPG heavy uh, Zelda like Breath of the Wild that just came out like you're right RPGs are having a Hell, major World of Warcraft for the World of Warcraft uh, an MMO like uh, yeah it's just uh, 
when will they do it is the question. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Cause well, I mean, I, what, what was the success of the old Republic like? It was, I think it had bad timing. No, it had great success. Great timing. Okay, good. It because... was well-reviewed and sold well. So much so, it, it was so successful that they turned that sequel around way too quickly and put Obsidian, uh, they gave them too tight of a schedule to the point where they had to cut a lot of content out of Knights of the Old Republic too. Um. I meant with the old Republic, the MMO. Oh, mm, not so great. I mean, um, it seems and to I do think it that's well why they're shy to do it. Well, they—that's the thing, though. They shot too big. Well, it's not even that. The old Republic is a really—I love that game. The only thing that keeps me—it could legitimately be one of the only games I play. The only reason I don't is because I don't have anybody to play with. Right. It has a very strong single player component. You can play from level one to the the level cap solo, where you just play by yourself. It's got a good story. Like it looks cool. Like all the different customization you can do is cool. The problem is like back in the late nineties, early two thousands, the MMO bubble was huge. You had EverQuest come out that was a big hit for an MMO. Then you had World of Warcraft come out and was huge. And what happened was everybody saw the World of Warcraft success and they were like, we got to do that. Everybody's got millions of hours of time. Right. So let's compete for that. And then what happened is they quickly found out the audience for MMOs is not nearly as big, uh, especially in the States. I mean, this is all generalization. There's a lot of people that play MMOs, but it's not... It definitely doesn't have the same broad mass appeal of even a game like The Witcher 3, you know, or something like that, or yeah. Cyberpunk that everybody's excited about, yeah. um, or the Elder Scrolls games, or all these games we talked about, like, or so Grand Theft Auto. There's, uh, yeah, a much smaller audience for those games, and when you have, like, such a dominant presence as World of Warcraft, where... You have people that have been playing that for 15 years at this point, basically. It's going to be hard to get them off of that. And if you're going to get them off of that, you have to have the amount of content and the player base to support them. And the Old Republic did not do a great job at that at first. And, I, you know, it's been probably about a year since I've played. And from what I've seen, people are still enjoying it. I do wonder how long it's going to be that that will still be live. Cause you know, eventually they took down star Wars galaxies, which was the first star Wars MMO. Mm. And you got to imagine that eventually the player base of the old Republic will dwindle to a point that it's not financially viable for them to keep those servers up and keep the game running. So right. it will, you know, go dark eventually. Um, and I'll be sad to see them go. I, I don't know that star Wars MMOs between the two that we've got I don't know that we've seen the full potential of it Um, I've enjoyed both of them but I don't think we've seen them really nail that and uh, I wonder if eventually they will take a third swipe at it I don't know combat itself in an MMO does not lend itself to pleasantness in Star Wars you know know what I'm saying yeah, I mean, 
there's so many different types of MMOs now where back in the day it was a fairly turn-based affair like EverQuest or, uh, you know, uh, World of Warcraft where you just click in your skill bars. And that's the way that Old Republic went. You know, it plays That's what I'm saying, like, like walking up to an enemy and just like swinging your lightsaber around and, you know, not making obvious physical contact or whatever. I'll say doesn't they, they lend did a, itself well. They did a good job in the Old Republic of making combat feel fun and giving you lots of cool abilities. So it definitely bridges that gap a little bit. But I play uh, an MMO on the Xbox sometimes called Black Desert Online. Yeah. And it's like a combo-focused MMO. And it's really fun. It sounds so cool. You don't have to do that style of MMO even anymore. You know? Yeah, even like um, the Batman style combat, you know, combat is super complicated, but it's very satisfying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how something like that would work with like server lag and stuff. I don't know. We're getting into technical shit that I don't know much about, so I'm going to. Um, but yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we have Steven. Hey guys, as we seem to be coming to a bit of slowing down period for Star Wars, I was wondering what your current assessment of Kathleen Kennedy is. If I had been asked this question in March of 2018, coming off the last season of Rebels, I would have had 100% confidence in her taking Star Wars forward. At that time, we had The Force Awakens bringing in record dollars and successfully introducing us to a new set of characters. A very successful Rogue One, Rebels, which told a well-rounded, cohesive, and emotional story, and The Last Jedi had just come out, with production dr being drama-free, its critical response was great, and had a huge box office haul. They had allowed Ryan Johnson to take risk and tell a different story than we were used to in Star Wars. I would have argued with every ounce of energy that Star Wars was under great leadership. Since then, we have gotten Solo, a movie I greatly enjoyed, but whose production issue, as well as poor marketing efforts, led to the movie losing money. Resistance, a fairly inconsequential animated show that barely resonates in fandom. I'm not saying it's bad, and I mostly enjoy watching it with my kids, but it's an afterthought of, on most podcasts, yours and others, and many episodes don't even get talked about. It was also billed as a racing show, which was pretty much abandoned midway through season one to focus on the Resistance slash First Order conflict. The Mandalorian, which has been great. An amazing intro to Star Wars live-action TV and gave us Yoju, who's an international sensation and universally beloved. And The Rise of Skywalker, which again had director issues, which led to rushed production schedule, leaving us with a movie with many plot holes. And even those that love it tend to agree that it's a hot mess. <clears throat> it also left the overall plot of the trilogy clunky and just doesn't feel like the puzzle pieces quite fit together perfectly. I add to my list concerning things like her saying that Palpatine was part of the plan all along when there was no foreshadowing of it in 7 and 8. It's true that she believes it. I find it concerning. If it was part of the plan, we should have been able to see that. Uh, also, things like JJ saying in an interview, I'm really not good at endings, showing poor decision making to put him in charge of a major ending. Stuff like the Game of Thrones guys leaving doesn't scare me. They hadn't submitted finished scripts, and the timing of them leaving won't affect the production of the project that will happen in place of their work. I don't mean this as fire Kathleen Kennedy rant, but as 
by any means, but more that the pro-con scale had seemed to be so far weighted to the pro side two years ago, and since then seems to have gotten much closer to balanced, in my opinion. I wonder if you feel that way too, and what you would hope to see her do to get it back heavy on the pro side. I hope this isn't too long and reads as a thought-provoking email, and not that I'm just an angry fan, Steve. Um, I don't know, man. I'll I, tell you. I think. Go ahead. Well, I just think, regardless, you got to look at her body of work pre-Star Wars and realize she's extremely qualified. Um, and I think I I see no reason to get rid of her. Um, I think everybody's going to have these bumps in the roads when you're you, dealing with a massive franchise and producing the amount of Star Wars that they have in the last several years, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I see no problem with her work. I know that there have been some bumps along the way, but honestly, you know, I feel like she's been a good steward of Lucasfilm. She's everything has felt like Star Wars, uh, and these productions and marketing slip ups. I'm not really holding her responsible. I, I feel like really this is Disney's fault. I kind of hold Disney responsible for all this, and I feel like they are growing pains because they acquired a franchise. They're trying to carry it on in good faith, and they just, just you fuck up along the way and you figure it out. And I think that's what's happening right now. I think you're going to have a lot more of this shit ironed out once they realize they're writing story arcs going into it and not one movie at a time. That really, that fucked them up. Well, and I also think that her asking Bob Iger, can we take a break and figure out the future of Star Wars instead of just barreling right ahead? I think that shows that she has its best interest in mind. Exactly. Like, like you said. I think she's under a lot of pressure to pump out content. Right. And that's not necessarily what Star Wars was about, was flooding the market with content. And I think it can be. But I think the difference, and I think a lot of people, uh, Steve didn't do it in his email, but I think a lot of people want to compare Lucasfilm and Star Wars to Marvel and the MCU, right? And I don't, in some ways, it's a perfectly fine comparison. In others, it's not fair. The reason... Had, it's multi-generational. I mean, it just it goes way further than Star Wars goes back. You've had people reading these comics, watching these cartoons way longer right you know and I mean? you have a way stronger wealth of material to draw inspiration from you know um, yeah and the other thing is marvel had time to ramp up it's not like iron man came out in 2008 and we've had a single movie every year since then yeah downey jr could have very not well you know come back and he could have like Iron Man could have not been in the Avengers or it could have been somebody else in there. It had its chance to take time with it. And there's been plenty of bumps in the road for Marvel. They haven't had a solo sized flop, but they've gotten rid of plenty of directors. They lost a director this week. They lost the director for uh, Doctor Strange 2. Um, they lost a director for Thor 2. They lost the original director for Ant-Man. Uh, you know, they butted heads with Joss Whedon and, and Avengers too. Like there's been bumps in the road for Marvel. And I think the fact that 
Disney bought Lucasfilm, and then immediately we're like, we're doing one movie a year starting in 2015, is a much faster pace, a ramp-up pace than Marvel had. And I think that fast pace has been the issue with some of the bumps in the road. And then, as far as The Rise of Skywalker goes, you know, I... I still feel lucky to consider myself someone that likes that movie, you know, like despite the flaws that are there, I really like that movie. Right. But you also can't deny that it was incredibly rushed compared to the force awakens. Absolutely. JJ was announced as the director for the force awakens in 2013 in January, 2013, basically three years before his movie had to come out. And by that point, there had been a ton of blue sky concept development. There was a script already being working, worked on by Michael Arndt, which, you know, as we know, didn't come to fruition, but it was the basis. It, it provided a basis for the story. Right. <laughs> JJ wasn't announced for, they didn't bring him back until like October or November of December. 2017 it was before the last jedi came out so once again he essentially had for all intents and purposes a whole year less to make the end of this trilogy and i there's no doubt that affected the final outcome the final product no doubt in my mind and right. what would have been preferable like it would have been it would have bummed me out if they announced it but had they pushed Episode nine to May of this year or something pushed it back six months, yeah. five months. They probably would have helped a lot, but they had, and, and this is where I'm, you know, I'm sort of tying it back in with what you said. Disney had that release date set. Got to hit that release date. Gotta Holiday release 2019. Got to hit that release date. And so while, you know, I can't say she's not responsible at all for any of the missteps, I think to put the the blame solely on her is uh, just not fair. It's not fair and it's not the way to go because this isn't Lucasfilm of the George Lucas days working independently and then distributing its movie, you know, having Fox distribute these movies, buying the rights to the, distribute them. They're, you're talking about a Lucasfilm that is working within a giant corporation in Disney. Yeah, she's dancing for a different audience. You know, it used to be George, and now it's Disney. <clears throat> All right, we got one more email, and then we'll wrap it up. This comes from Tyler. Fellas, my knowledge of Star Wars outside of the movies and, and the Mandalorian is very limited. That said, I do know that Boba and Jango Fett are not Mandalorians, despite their use of the armor. Again, I don't have enough knowledge of the broader Star Wars universe to know if this just can't happen, but with it being established that... Mandalorian is not a race, but a creed. Does it now open the door for Boba to either now become or have at some point been a Mandalorian? Tyler from Georgia. Thanks for writing in, Tyler. Um, I don't see why it couldn't lead to that. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if you could particularly say that Django was, but I don't know why you couldn't go that way with Boba. If he's not alive, if he's, you know, not dead, if he's still around, like, um, as long as he's never, we're talking about him still being a Mandalorian, right? 
or becoming one, taking the creed, becoming one. Yeah, um, it would be cooler if he were still one. You know, and I don't know that he could be because no one's, you know, no one's seen Boba Fett in, in a long time. Yeah, I think there is some kind of neat story to be told of of Boba looking for some sort of belonging after the Clone Wars and stuff, and maybe even post-Return of the Jedi, where clearly things haven't gone his way. He fell in the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> he got fucking punked on Jabba's sail barge, and where he seeks out the Mandalorians, and then maybe becomes a Mandalorian, because... Boba doesn't have a family. You know, his dad's gone, and there's, you know, for at least a little while, a ton of clones of him and his dad in the universe. But he doesn't really have much of family otherwise. So I could see the value in some story of him linking up with the Mandalorians and, in like, for lack of a better term, earning the armor. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know that that's the story we'll get in the Mandalorian. I don't know that we have time for that. Yeah, I mean, that is... That is a story in of in and of itself. Like I don't think you have the time or even want to to focus on that in the Mandalorian when you have so much other stuff to cover with Baby Yoda and Dinjar. That's a rated R old man Logan style movie. I don't want rated R Star Wars. I mean, I don't. I don't need it. I was just yeah thinking about old man <laughs> Boba Fett. Old man Boba. You know, I don't think there's anything that precludes it. We've never seen Boba take off the helmet. So, as far as we know, he's never been in uh, violation of that. I mean, since he put the helmet on. We've seen Boba without the helmet plenty when he was a kid. But, you know, since he donned the armor, we have no indication that he's taking it off in front of anybody. So, you know, checkmate. True. All right, buddy. That does it for us this week. Thanks for uh, recording with me. Oh, dude, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun talking about this. <laughs> yeah, I think we had a nice little discussion this week. So do I. Um, if you guys like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music, their Stoned Cobra. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Leave us a five-star iTunes review if you haven't already. It really helps us out. Uh, And other than that, we'll see you guys next week. And until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Wooden. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us.